Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Chaldean Priest Show. My name is Father Daniel, and today we will be talking about healing, but specifically healing from sin. Let's get started. I know I usually start with a small introduction, but today I want to jump in and get straight to the topic because there's so much to talk about in so little time. So, I am on the sixth Sunday of Lent Basilica Hymn according to the Chaldean Liturgy written by the Chaldean Fathers of the Church. Again, these liturgical hymns have been written centuries and centuries ago, anywhere from 2nd, 3rd, 4th century and uh, above, and they sort of got the authorship and date that they were written got lost throughout the years, so we're just going to call these people that wrote it authors, okay? Because we we know some works of the Chaldean liturgy that are attributed to some fathers in the Chaldean church, but not all of them. And this Basilica hymn is one that is still unknown. So why don't we get started? It begins by saying, Who is a doctor who can cleanse my hidden wounds? Oh, will he be able to heal and to cure them? Oh, who will be able to deliver me from the fire? Thus cried the adulteress. So before I get to the adulteress, I want to give a thorough explanation as to what sin is. Because sin is not only a theological term or theological idea, but it is also philosophical. And we see this in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 1849. It says, sin is an offense against reason, truth, and right conscience. So, as we're going through this Basilica hymn, keep this as a backdrop, because sin is the very thing that we're going to be talking about today, but specifically healing from sin and the sins we've committed in our lives. Because sins could be something that are very damaging to the human person, because what they do by their very nature, just like the Catechism says, is they go against truth and human reason. And they go against our very human nature. And more importantly, sin divorces us from our communion with God. With that being said, going back to this Basilica hymn, the first couple lines that I read is from this adulteress. And What is she seeking right now? So we see the first part. It says, who is a doctor who can cleanse my hidden wounds? So she's looking for a doctor that is not like every other doctor. She's looking for a doctor that's not a physical doctor who could only merely fix or try to give a remedy for physical damage that this doctor can't see in front of them. But because wounds are hidden, what's required is a different kind of doctor. And that is the the divine physician, who is God. And then she follows up with, will he be able to heal and to cure them? This idea of doubting whether this divine physician can cure and heal 
from these sins is something that I see often. People often ask me, Father Daniel, there is no way God can forgive this sin. This sin was so big. I can't believe I committed this sin. And there is no way he's going to be able to forgive me. And the question at hand is, is there a sin too big or too grave for God to forgive? The answer is no. Because God's mercy is eternal. God's mercy is perfect. God is mercy. And there is no such thing as a sin too big for him to forgive. Then this goes on to say, who will be able to deliver me from fire? And what this adulteress is asking is, who can save her from eternal damnation? Who can be that saving grace? Where can she find salvation for these sins or this sin that she committed? And the answer to that, of course, is Jesus. Salvation through the cross, through the church, and through the sacraments. Because the more united we are to Him, the more we're able to see salvation in a much clearer way, in that sense. So it goes on to say, quote, I will unravel the tangles of sin and draw near to the Lord and Savior, end quote. And that's sort of what this adulteress in this basilica hymn finishes with. And the author mentions something very interesting. He mentions sin being tangled. The tangles of sin. Why is he doing this? Because sin is something that can be very complicated and can have very many elements to it. And many variables could be at play where it would seem very difficult to get over this sin or to control this sin or to understand that this sin can be forgiven by God if you do it in the right manner. And I'll get to that later in the podcast. So the Basilica hymn goes on to say, For indeed, he did not cast the tax collector away from him. And with his speech, he converted the Samaritan woman. What were tax collectors known for? And how were they treated in society in the first, second, and third centuries? Well, they were treated as sort of outcasts, right? They were treated as these people who were shady and dealt with money and didn't have a good foundation for their lives. And maybe they weren't as bad of people as they portrayed them to be, but this is how they were being treated in society. And sometimes we could feel that way with sin, right? Where maybe we fall into a sin that we're really ashamed of and we wish we wouldn't have done, but what happened happened and we have to live with it. And maybe some people will treat us differently because of that. Maybe some people will begin to gossip about us because of this certain sin that we committed. Maybe people will look down on us. Maybe people will completely condemn who we are. But if we acknowledge that the sin that we committed is shameful and it goes against 
reason and truth and damages our relationship with God and look toward repentance, then we become like this tax collector in this basilica hymn where we do not get cast out like society does, but we get embraced by the love and mercy of God. And that's the only thing that should matter for us because we live in a time where we could be easily consumed by what people think of us and allow the gossips and the rumors and whatever it may be to get to the best of us and become paranoid of how people look at us, which shouldn't be the case. And then the Basilica hymn goes on to say, with his speech, he converted the Samaritan woman. It's such a beautiful story of the woman at the well where Jesus has his dialogue with her and shows her the interior part of her life and helping her understand that he knows that she is with many men and it shouldn't be that way. And by Jesus exposing this to her through his speech and helping her conform her mind around Jesus knowing the hidden wounds that she has and she still struggles with, allowed her to convert and turn away from sin. And with us having this solid understanding of Jesus walking with us through this journey of getting over this sin should be something very comforting for us because we are not alone when we're walking and attempting to get over a certain sin that we're struggling with. Jesus does the same thing to us like he does to the Samaritan woman. He converts us with his speech, but only if we're listening and we could hear him. And we're not allowing things of this world to distract us from his words. And it goes on to say, with his word, he gave life to the Canaanite woman and to the hemorrhaging woman, he gave healing with the hem of his cloak. The story of the hemorrhaging woman is found in the Gospel of Matthew, and I want to spend a little time with exegeting this part of the Bible. And just so you know, exegete means to take out meaning. So when we exegete from Scripture, we are taking out the meaning of what that Scripture says. So basically what's happening in the story of the hemorrhaging woman, is Jesus is walking through this big crowd, right? And in places in Jerusalem, whoever has been to Israel, the alleys are very tight and very small, okay? So imagine Jesus, he's walking, and there is a crowd just surrounding him completely. And then there is this woman with a hemorrhage. And for those who don't know what a hemorrhage is, it is internal bleeding that is consistent. So, she sees Jesus, and all she wanted to do was touch the hem of his cloak. All she wanted to do was have some simple encounter in hope of healing. And she ends up doing that, and Jesus stops right then and there. And he notices that power left from him. And it was because of this woman that had a hemorrhage 
and who was cured from it because she touched the very cloak of Christ. Now, what's the interesting part about this entire story? I think the interesting part about the story is that Jesus was in a crowd. He was surrounded by people. And she was the only one that we see in the gospel was healed. Why her? What about everyone else that was in the crowd that was following him that sort of knew what he was about? I think one of the reasons why is because she approached Christ with faith. She was bleeding on the inside. She was going through a lot. And Christ was her go-to resort. She oriented her life and made herself vulnerable to Christ. And I think it was because of her faith that she was healed in that aspect. And a beautiful thing, a beautiful tradition in the church is that this hemorrhaging woman was Veronica. Because on the way to the cross, when Jesus fell, Veronica wiped his face that was consumed with blood. And tradition in the church says that she did that because she was returning the favor of Christ, allowing her internal bleeding to stop. And something to sort of culminate the story is what the Catechism says about the sacraments. The Catechism says that the sacraments are powers that go forth from the body of Christ. We receive these same powers from the sacraments of the church. That's why the sacraments in the church are so essential. And that's one of the reason, reasons why our Protestant brothers and sisters are lacking in that aspect, especially when it comes to the Eucharist. Because when we participate in the Eucharist, we are receiving these powers from the very body of Christ, the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. And I'll do a podcast on the Eucharist at some point. But I think what the author really here is trying to bring in front of us is that we might be like this hemorrhaging woman who are bleeding or have bled but have these deep wounds that no one else could see. Or maybe we're still bleeding from something we may have done, from some ugly sin that we committed. But this is showing us that just like this hemorrhaging woman, even though there were so many people surrounded by Christ, she was the one that was healed. And we become healed too when we approach Christ with the same faith, especially approaching Him when it comes to the sacrament of confession. You, it is unbelievable what the sacrament of confession does to our souls and how it utterly cleanses us from all the filth that we have and any guilt that we may have because of sin. Because sin, and I'll tell you this much, guys, it's what the devil likes to do is use our past against us and allow us to feel like these shameful, guilty, worthless human beings. And he likes to remind us of our guilt. He likes to remind us of our sins. And he likes to hold them above our heads at every vulnerable moment that he can. But we need to be better than that. Because when we say God forgives us and forgives our sins and God has mercy on us, but while still acknowledging that we are unworthy servants, nothing else should matter.
but remember that we receive His mercy and we're face-to-face with His grace when we go to confession, when we present our sins to the priest. We should leave them behind us and not allow them to consume us, even if we did the most outrageous thing, even if we committed the most disgusting sin. If we leave it at the mercy of Christ and we leave it in the confessional, you leave it there and you move on with your life. And the author of this Basilica hymn, he continues by saying, with his merciful word, he freed the the adulteress from her sins and summoned her to the book of life with the holy woman. And with these people, my soul says, at all times, blessed is the Messiah, our Savior. So beautiful how he ends this Basilica hymn with Jesus' merciful word and how he freed this adulteress from her sins by his mercy. And that's really the idea of this Basilica hymn today, and that's really the theme, is this healing that we need from our sins. We all require healing. And this Basilica hymn does culminate that healing. And it does show us the very mercy of Christ and how we are to approach it. And remember that if you're still feeling guilty or feeling shameful because you keep thinking about your sins and they're continuing to haunt you, just remember that that very experience could be the cause of even more sanctification in your life. And God is really at work in your life because you acknowledge and understand that this very thing you did was wrong and that is beneath you now. But the more you learn from that, the more you're able to move forward in this world and not just be in idleness and let this guilt consume you. So I hope that helps with anyone that's dealing with shame and suffering from these hidden wounds that you might have because of sin. And without further ado, let's get to the lion step. The Daily Wire reports that Don Lemon says the true identity of Jesus was that he looked more like a Muslim or someone who was dark. Okay. And then he continues, quote, Either a black Jesus or a brown Jesus, because we know Jesus looked more like a Muslim or someone who was dark rather than someone who was blonde, a blonde-looking carpenter. End quote. There is, there's just so much to unpack in this comment that Don Lemon decided to say. And the most absurd part about this is he says that Jesus looked more like a Muslim. How do you look like a Muslim? How do you look like a religion that... It just shows how little 
of historical basis this man has and how he's just taking words and putting them together thinking they're making sense, which they're not. And hopefully someone ends up telling him that because sure, Jesus was in the Middle East. Sure, he was a carpenter. Sure, he probably worked under the sun for hours at a, at a time either with Joseph or by himself after Joseph died. But nevertheless, Jesus is depicted in all kinds of ways for all kinds of different traditions. And here Don Lemon is using Jesus as a tool to attack white supremacists. And the very name of Jesus shouldn't be used in such a disastrous comment like this. Jesus was a son of God and is a son of God and will always be the son of God. He was a Jewish man that grew up as a carpenter. So the thing that he should be worried about and talking about is who the historical Jesus actually is and why he came into this world. Because I guarantee you, answers for questions like that will be much more fruitful than talking about the color of Jesus's hair. So that is my episode for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you have any questions, but until then, see you next time.